0: What is up, Clocks on the Stove? Here we are. We're back. We had a week off. I had my fight. A lot of busyness, a lot of tension. Didn't have time, but we're back, and we're better than ever. And starting Sunday, we will actually be better than ever. But in the meantime, although I had a fight, we had arguably the fight fight card of the year this Saturday, October 22nd. And we're going to dissect the five biggest fights of this card. Starting off with the prelim headliner, Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady. Zach, would you like to start us off in your thoughts on this fight?
1: Yeah, you know, we weren't able to get a pod in. And, you know, we discussed um, prior to the card. We were like, hey, let's get a little TikTok out there about who we think's is going to win and why. Um, thankfully, we didn't get that out because I think we were wrong about every fight.
0: Yeah, um, we went 0 for 4 or 0 for 5.
1: Yeah, uh, it was just it was rough in that context. But I don't know. Before going into it, I kind of had Sean Brady winning it, um, and it wasn't because I had any disrespect towards Bilal Muhammad. I mean, I really respect his ground game. Dude's great. It's just I didn't think his wrestling would hold up. And I mean, Sean had shown um, some good technicality on the ground. You know, at least from the defensive standpoint, that where I thought he could keep things on the feet. And really, it just outstrike Bilal. But uh, Bilal really shocked me And this. You know, to come in against a guy that's riding a lot of hype, who's never had a loss in his professional career, um, and you're kind of known for being, like, this boring wrestler that no one really wants to watch your fights, and, you know, you're probably not going to get a title shot because you don't have much going for you from a fan's perspective. You literally stood this stood this man up and was like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you and just end this on my terms. And that's what you did. Um you know, we can kind of get into the aspect of whether or not we thought it was an early stoppage or not. Personally, um, I just thought Brady was in that point where he was trying to just finish out the round with what time was left, you know, not try to do too much, not try to walk into a knockout, but just try to cover up and hopefully ride it out. But I thought he was already on a short leash. You know, you already get pummeled a little bit, and the ref had every right to stop the fight if he wanted to. I would have liked to see seen a third round. You know, I think – um you know, coaching plays a huge part in how you transition from round to round. And I think the entire fight as a whole kind of changes from round to round. You're not going to get the same fight but all Real quick, rounds. Zach,
0: before we get, into, uh, we get into the controversial finish, well, I mean not controversial, just what we could see from both ends of the finish, I want to just go through the fight itself real quick. So um, going into this fight, I had Brady 100%. I'm a, I'm a big Sean Brady guy also. As I mentioned to Zach earlier, probably some of the nicest tattoos in MMA. Like, his artwork is phenomenal. Um, anyways, when the same, I noticed the same tendency in both rounds, Zach. Brady controlled the first half of the round, but would catch the rhythm and get the second half of the round. And that happened in both rounds that happened. And the other thing is, too, is when I watched round one, my initial thoughts were Bilal's shots look like they're cleaner landing than, than Brady's. But as I watched round two and then I went back and rewashed around round one, I wouldn't say that they were cleaner. I would say that they had more pop on them. So, like, Brady would connect just as clean, like like literally perfect shots, but Bilal remained unfazed. When Brady ate the same shots from Bilal, it, like, slowed him or stopped him a step or he, he showed he felt it. And I think that's what led up to the end, the finishing – the finish in the end of the second round was just the pop on it. Also, you talk about the wrestling, Brady also has – Beautiful wrestling, as we saw in his last fight against Kiesa. But he Bilal didn't take a shot, and he shut down all of Brady's wrestling, too. Now that I bring that up, though, if I'm Sean Brady and I go in that third round or I'm looking at this fight, I'm, I'm happy I took those shots. Because although I'm not scoring those shots, back, I'm using that threat of a takedown to open up my striking. And you saw it every single time after a shot got stuffed. He would land an overhand or he'd land something because Bilal was immediately ready to wrestle. You know, so that there is level, like that's high level striking, you know, utilizing. You see Robert Whitaker do it a lot. You see a lot of Colby Covington do it a lot. Usman use the threat of striking Khabib for the wrestling. So that's what I have to say on the fight. I think I gave round one, 10, nine to Brady just because I think although Bilal caught up at the end, I think overall he did more. But round two, Bilal was just, once he found that rhythm, dude. And I, I'm, I'm the biggest Bilal hater, but he looks good, man. He
1: looks really good. Yeah. Um. Another thing I noticed is the guys were pretty consistent with just taking shots to the head. You know, I really wish Brady would have mixed it up a little more. You know, like if Bilal is applying that much pressure to you, because, I mean, he outright had more strikes the entire fight, not only landing but throwing-wise. I thought Brady kind of needed to be more on the defensive in round two. You know, like take some steps back, take some leg kicks, even some shots to the body just to kind of have a like second guess, like where the ni- next strike would come from. If you're just consistently just throwing shots to the head, it's easy to just keep your hands up and wait for your opening to kind of land your shot. Yeah. No um, combinations
0: so as well. Just throwing one, just like big shots in back, big shots in back. You got to open that shit up.
1: Yeah. We're going to, we're going to have to wait and see um, what he has to say about it afterwards. Um, Cause I don't know whether that was, he just felt like he didn't have enough time to set up his combinations whether he was just too intimidated by the threat of the takedown that he wanted to kind of give himself some space, maybe wait for that one. Like, if he was just going to stiff-jab him and then see how Bilal reacted and then try to open up some combinations, I can kind of understand that. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it kind of just looked like Bilal... You gave Bilal too much space in round one, so Bilal was like, all right, I'm going to open the floodgates in round two. I'm going to see how much damage you can actually take. And that ended up being the end of the case. You know what's another thing
0: that Bilal did a beautiful job of? And I want to talk about this when we talk about the... uh the Sugar Sean fight as well, though, is um, he could, there was never a single second where Bilal took a back step, But Bilal had Brady's back against the cage the entire fight, even when he was losing exchanges. Now, this is the thing I want to bring up. You had Paul Felder announcing the fight. He's his former teammate of both fighters. But even he said in the fight, he's like, you know, Brady's more of a counter-striker. And there's nothing wrong with that. Connor McGregor, that's what made his career. You know, there's a lot, Izzy's very good at it. There's a lot of guys that are elite-level counter-strikers, but you can counter-strike while still having pressure, Zach. You can stay in someone's face and and work the cage and make them throw first still, but I think by allowing that, it, it opened up Bilal's confidence, and I think that's one reason why towards the end of the round when he realized that the threat of pressure wasn't there, he started opening up more and landing more. And I, I just think you got to do a better job at you can counter-strike. That, that is a, a extremely fine but you still need to have pressure and control the cage. That is, that is a part of the fight that is fighting, fighting at someone's pace. Like the law, making a fight at his pace. That means he is controlling the fight. A fight's a dance and one person's going to lead. and One person's going to follow. And by doing that pace, the law was leading the dance.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, but for what's next for these fighters, I mean, let's kind of touch on that a little bit. Um, obviously the UFC, Despite Brady's loss, they didn't lose any respect for him. You know, he didn't drop in the rankings at all. They kept him right where he was at in that eighth spot. Um Below, I believe, moved up. Um, he went up two. So no, he went up one. Yeah, he went up one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously there's still respect for both these guys. Brady, that was obviously his first loss. He was back. Look, you're very seldomly in this sport anymore going to hold on to your zero. Like, yeah. it this isn't this isn't boxing. This isn't where you're gonna be able to cruise through a bunch of nobodies and work up like a 30 40 fight win streak. Like it's just not gonna happen. The UFC's too stacked. There's too many guys that can beat you on any given night. You can get caught slipping here once in a while. Um so I mean, I think him getting his first loss is only gonna make him a little bit more hungry. He realizes where he needs to improve his game. Um, he has all the tools to be a top-level fighter and a champion in this division. I just don't think it's coming right now. There's a lot of people um, in his division, I believe. At Yeah, welterweight. I'm trying to just pull up the rankings now. still pretty young, I
0: believe. uh, I believe he's only like 30. Is he? 29. Yeah, he's still got a lot of time, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, He's He's so young. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I mean, ahead of him in the rankings, we have – Wonderboy, Jeff Neal, who's fighting, um, Shafkot. We have Bilal, who we just lost, to, And then we have Kamza versus Colby. Here's, and Kamar. Here's the
0: thing about Brady. So, first thing I want to say is, if you're Brady, you're not beating yourself up. Like, I, honestly, I'm going to give the same exact speech to Brady as I gave to myself after my loss. You're not going to beat yourself up because you showed that you could hang with the top guys. Bilal, Bilal finished you, yeah, but he didn't, like, whoop your ass. You stood there. You won the first round, in my opinion, and in a lot of other people's opinions, and you stood in there banging the whole round. You just proved that you are – like you, you proved you're on the right track, you know? Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, you don't get that in a win, but it's still nice knowing, and at least for my, my sake, it felt really comforting knowing what I'm doing is preparing me for what the situations I'm getting in and getting me ready for the big fights. And that's the same thing that I saw with Sean Brady. I didn't see a guy go out there and get his ass beat. I saw a guy go out there and display that his camp worked well. And he has a few minor tweaks. Bilal's a vet, bro. He's been in the game for a minute. You know? Brady, you still got plenty of time. The issue for Brady is, Zach, is as we were talking about earlier, 13 to 15 isn't worth your time in the rankings. It's just not. There's, there's, there's nothing there. Okay? You either wait to fight the winner Wonderborn Holland, or you fight Vincente Luque, whose only other loss is Bilal, and then you try to climb the rankings again. But the issue is all these other fighters... So you're not going to go below you. There's no reason, as we just stated. He showed he's he's good enough to bang with the top. Gilbert Burns is fight is supposed to be fighting Jorge, so he's off the table. Geoff Neil is supposed to be fighting uh, uh, Chakrov, He's off the table. Stephen Thompson's fighting Holland. He's off the table. And is supposed to be fighting out He's off the table. Kamar's about to fight Leon. He's off the table. So you're in a waiting game, no matter what, unless you're going to go down and fight somebody like who Neil Magny. Like there's, that's that's not worth your time. You're going to beat Michael Kiesa. I'm a huge Kiesa fan, but. It's not worth your time. I think I think you're in a weird waiting game here. Maybe talk some shit on Twitter. You know, that seems to be the way to get fights nowadays. So yeah,
1: I agree. Um, th- the way I kind of view the welterweight division right now, it's really that from that championship slot to about the fourth or fifth ranked fighter. Those are guys that you can see contending for title shots right now in the near future. Mm-hmm. Anything below that, you kind of have to work your way into that top five mix to even be considered. Um, just because of this whole mix-up with Leon winning the belt, it's kind of thrown the division kind of into a disarray. Now, in my opinion, I think tomorrow's going to rewind the belt and he'll probably work on probably reworking that division all over again with some new faces mixed in there. You know, are we going to see Sean Brady face off against tomorrow if that's the case? I don't know that's really long-term. Like you said, though, I think best-case scenario now, just fight Luke. just because you both of you have losses to Valal at this point. Um, I think it'd be very interesting to see how both of you guys are going to improve since then. Um, it kind of makes the most sense. Honestly, the worst case scenario for him is if Shavka beats Jeff Neal and then they're like, Hey, Shavka, go fight Sean Brady. Personally, I think Shavka has a chance to become one of the best fighters in this division. He absolutely terrifies me. Um, yeah, I think I just you, have,
0: sorry, I was incorrect before he, after he lost the Bilal, he lost, the, uh, he, he lost a off Neal. I forgot. He got knocked out of the third round. I'm sorry. Okay. Vincente. Yeah. So- I don't even think you fight Vincente.
1: Yeah, honestly, at that point, nah. If you are both coming off losses from below, then I'd understand. But honestly, yeah, just kind of see how Jeff Neal and Shavkat plays out. Um,
0: I think you avoid Shavkat. I,
1: I do too. You avoid him at
0: all costs.
1: Yeah, um, avoid him as much as you can. It's just with how these other fights are set up, like, like most of these got like. If you look at the Wonder Boy fight, the Wonder Boy fight really isn't to like climb the rankings right it's really just for a bag
0: like, yeah but i don't think wonder boy's trying to climb back up now i think he's just trying to fight
1: exactly so like i think for brady like it's only a lose lose situation for trying to seek a thompson fight unless you want to chase a bag certainly yeah, but, I, think you just um, wait.
0: I, I think you just wait
1: yeah just wait it out see what opportunity presents itself because hey if um loser of comms out colby hey right there for you if you want it like i Obviously, scary-ass matchup. Yeah. Do what you have to do. <laughs> but, I mean, honestly, if you really want to be the champ, any of those top five guys are going to prove to be a really tough yeah. contest for you. So, take now, your okay, time.
0: Bilal, though. Bilal is a way trickier situation. Oh, yeah. Bilal is in, Bilal's in the some deep waters. Yeah, Bilal's in one of the worst situations to be in. Yeah. You know, if I'm Bilal, uh, I'm hoping that Jorge upsets Gilbert because if Gilbert beats Jorge, they'll be more than happy to run that Gilbert. Uh, Usman too. I, I think if Gilbert beats Jorge, they're gonna jump you with Gilbert, okay? And you want Combs out to be Colby because they're so, the UFC would be more than happy to do Colby Usman three, and and I'm gonna be honest, the fans would be happy with it too. They wouldn't care. Yeah. But I I think I, I think you know if you're Bilal, you gotta just Twitter finger it, man. Twitter finger it and just sit back and wait. If I'm Bilal, personally, I'm not taking anything short of a title fight. The issue is you don't really got a big fan base. You're not. You don't have like any charisma either. And besides the Brady fight, you kind of boring shit. But, no I'm disrespecting your skill whatsoever, but you're in a weird position because people would ra- people and the UFC would rather Colby Usman three, and they'd rather Gilbert Usman two. In my opinion,
1: yes, hundred percent. Because honestly, if you throw Bilal versus Usman. It's really just going to be a wrestling
0: match. Oh, Leon was drop, beating but, his ass even with that before the eye poke. Leon was whooping yeah. up on him.
1: Yeah, uh, it it just sets up for bad. Another same thing on <laughs> Sean's position. You just got to see who loses and what would best benefit you in your future. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think Dana is going to throw you Chimaev even if he does lose. Um,
0: I think if Chimaev loses, they could give him the ball.
1: Honestly, if Leon loses to Kamaru, do you think they run do you think they run it the back?
0: Actual Again. fight, like let them actually fight now.
1: What, Leon Usman?
0: Because the I oh no, I was talking about Leon. If Leon loses, give him to Bilal. Because yeah. that means if Leon dude, honestly, the more I'm thinking about it, you need Leon to win. Because if Usman wins, they would way rather do Usman Gilbert two and Usman
1: Colby three than give you Usman. Yes. If if Usman wins, you're having you're gonna have to wait it out a little while longer. But if Leon wins, you're I way more it likely you. to. They you. might just give it to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, because at that point, they're more likely gonna be no, like. I hey. could
0: see this. I could see this real quick. We need to wrap this up and move on to the next fight. But I could see Leon winning. Okay, they giving him Bilal, and then the winner of, and then you give Usman the winner of one of those two other two fights. Yeah. I can so see that. I think there's more opportunities at stake with Leon winning, which is going to yeah. talk Bilal because Leon probably ain't going to win. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we, Leon, we love you. It's not that we don't think we have a chance. It's just Kamaru was literally one off of beating Andrew's record 49
0: for 49 seconds away from whooping your ass.
1: Yeah. Oh, fuck, man. Best of luck to you. We're rooting for you.
0: But, yeah, Zach, uh, Let's start to solve this next fight. Uh, Darius took on... Ma- I don't know how to say his first name, but fought- took on Gamrot. Um, yeah, Matsu. One unanimous decision. I gave round one to Gamrot, 10-9. Round two to Darius, 10-9. Round three to Darius, 10-8, in my opinion. um, Let's talk about Gamrot first, who lost this fight. Same situation as Sean Brady, in my opinion. You lost nothing. You showed you're just as dominant and as good as these other guys. You know, you gave... Dariush hell. And I know you're not that young age-wise, but you are in your career. And this fight is reminds me of the exact this fight was very identical to me in the Bilal fight. It just showed the vet versus the newcomer. I feel like that's all there really was. Gamrock did a great job of pressure. He did a great job at utilizing the wrestling, but he was just a step behind Darush And Daryu, I just think it's veteranism. I really do. Um, if I'm Gamrot. I mean, even the UFC respected the fight bro. they put you up in the rankings. You went up from 9 to 8. If I'm Gamrot, um, I don't think you take RDA, even though I think that's what they're going to try to push. I think you see what the weight, what happens with Gaethje versus Fezzeb or Chandler versus Poirier. Just wait. You're going to take a loser. They're not going to give you the winner. But you there's no you have no – dude, it's just like Sean Brady. You have no business fighting anyone below you. Like you proved your worth is 8 and higher. So you need to wait a second. Sit your, sit, sit your ground and see what opens up for you. I don't, I don't know what you think about uh, uh and even before that also in the fight-wise, I felt as round one, Gamrot did a good job utilizing the wrestling, seemed a little bit faster. Round two, the kicks and the knees of Darius started slowing down Gamrot and he also started showing his takedown defense, which is freaking phenomenal. And even when he got taken down, he was instantly going for a submission. So he was constantly in the threat zone, which it Disrupted Gamrot, and the third round it was just it was just no Gamrot had no shot. Darius was landing everything. He felt the timing. He was everything was missing. He stuffed every takedown. Like he he just showed that there's levels to this shit. And I think Gamrot still looked great, but I think Darius just his veteranism really showed in this fight. But yeah, that's that's all I gotta say on this one. If you wanna,
1: yeah, I mean the way I kind of saw it, very similar. I just think Gamrot, uh, or not Gamrot, but I think. Dariush kind of knew what Gamrot was going to do coming out of the gates. He was just going to be super aggressive, always try to be on his front foot, shoot for as many takedowns as possible. And, you know, it, it it's hard to see this from a young perspective because you you'll never see a younger fighter except losing a round early on. That mm-hmm. it, it it's too hard mentally to overcome for them. They're they're not used to being that position where they have to fight from behind and it doesn't help them. You could see him on Darius's face. He didn't he didn't give a shit. Like he was like I'll I'll take the round one I'll let you get your two takedowns in I mean dude in round one uh if you just want to look at takedowns Gamrot two for six takedowns in r- round one and round two one for seven and then round three one for six so it literally just got he was just spacing out his takedowns every time he shot he'd shut it down um, even when it looked like Gamrot had some of these takedowns cemented for positioning uh, Darius had unbelievable sprawls I mean just at, like stuff that like
0: yeah has, he got to the underhooks so fucking fast that's what yeah, do like and it, it would free his hips and like another thing that paul felder said is every single time gamrot shot Darius threw a knee so he throws the knee it hits gamrot and then when the knee comes back it helps his sprawl start early
1: yeah and like that's just that's kind of what you'll see from a guy who's been doing this for a while he knows how to defend against you like you like you said, he's not young in age, but he is young into his fight career. He's not gonna know that. He's not he's he he hasn't really seen that from any other fighter outside Darius. Like I don't think anyone's really put up that much of a fight against his ground. Um, at least from what I've seen. Um Honestly, I was way more astounded with Darush striking in this. Uh he wow. Bro, in man, that third
0: round when he landed that overhand, I thought he knocked him out.
1: Yeah. Uh but that just shows you how tough Gamrod is. Like 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 I said, Darius does not have pillow hands because um, you can just hear... You, if this was back at like the apex during COVID, you would have been able to hear that shit yeah. land. Hicks kicks are gross too, bro. Yeah. kicks are gross um, too. Yeah, if we were to look at the full fight... I, um, my favorite
0: thing about this fight, Zach, is it was a full-on MMA fight. You had striking, wrestling, grappling, clinch, everything, every aspect. And you yeah. said it best. You're like, if you want to introduce someone to the sport of MMA, this is the most perfect fight to show them. And dude, and when they were on the ground, there was was no dead time, even when they were grappling. They were going instantly for a submission or instantly for a a sweep. Instant. Roll through like instant. Like there was no dead time at all. And the pace was so, it was a great fight to watch. And it's getting overshot because of all the other shit that's going on with this card. But dude, it was a great fight to watch.
1: Yeah. And it kind of sucks because like I'll touch on this a little before we dive into um, what's next for each of these fighters. But You know, when we had the discussion, would you rather see a bunch of quality cards spread out or would you rather see, like, one stack card every month? I would much rather see cards get spread out and then just have, like, one or two super fights a year. Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of, like, how how I want it because, honestly, you're going to get to a part where, like, people are going to look back on this card and they're going to be like, oh, like, it was a little bit overhyped. You know, people really didn't see it or people didn't really, like. Get the hype it was deserved. It's like no, this. I feel like this card lived up to its expectation. Is it just there was so much implications mm-hmm. from fight to fight that it's kind of hard to remember everything that happens. And this is this is in my opinion one of those fights that you're gonna think back like two three years from now and be like, damn, that was a really good fight. I can't believe I don't remember that only because it wasn't a main event yeah, or it, yeah, or it wasn't a co-main. And it it really does suck because honestly, you put this on any other card, you put this on a card throughout the like. Uh, like the last four fight cards, like the fight night or something, like this is a main event easily. Yeah. And everyone, everyone would have been raving about it. It would, have been, it would have been a talk for two, three weeks, and there would have been a lot more hype um, for these guys in the rankings. But, you know, I I think the UFC gave them enough respect by not really messing with their rankings too much. You know, obviously they're in a spot where their division is pretty hectic. So that's another issue there. But, I mean, if you want to look at these guys individually moving forward, uh, what do you see for Dariush moving forward?
0: So Dariush is – if I'm Dariush, I'm demanding a title shot. They're on an eight-fight win streak, okay? And the thing is that I even wrote this down. Is Islam sat and bitched for so long about how long of a win streak he has, and they're not giving him a title shot. And how he's beating all these dudes, not giving him a title shot. And then Benil does the same fucking thing, and then instead of calling him out or being like, that's what I want next, you giving him his respect in any area whatsoever, you call it a featherweight. So I don't think if I'm Benio, I'm not fighting anyone other than the title. Like I've done everything I need to prove. I fought everyone you gave me, and I showed how fucking good I am. You showed it every time in and out. I don't think you fight anyone else. I think you only demand for the title. And he's too nice of a guy, but he should start talking shit. I think talking yeah. shit's the best way to get a title fight. But I just I, I, the only fight I would maybe maybe take is Oliveira. But I think you gotta you gotta do eight fight win. So you're doing everything. And they're still going to fuck you? I don't know, man. I just feel like – I feel like you demand the title, and and I think you earned it. I, if you win it or not, that's another story. But I think you earned it for sure.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I'll save my Islam talk for when we get to his fight. But uh, in terms of Darius, I think we're long past our GSP type of fighters. Like I always want – now, don't get me wrong. I always will love and root for the respectable, humble fighters that just put their – had or put their nose to the grindstone and just never let up from working their ass off and just kind of worked their way for a title shot without ever opening their mouth or disrespecting anyone. The only problem is that doesn't sell tickets anymore. And at this point, there are too many sack fighters. Uh, honestly, you can put anyone in the top 10 for most of these divisions into title shots and people are going to tune in to watch. That's just how it is. And you're at a spot right now where you're going to have to throw, throw something in the pot, man. Whether it be you toss some red pepper flakes in there to spice up your dish, you're going to have to add a little paprika. Like, we need we need something, man. Like, like whether you're pissing people Kian. off or whether... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely just bombard your shit with some cayenne, bro. Because right now, like, you're... It's one of those names where, like, people are acknowledging you as a great fighter. Like, people will read your name and be like, oh, that's great. They're not going to be like, Oh, this guy's like demanding a title shot. Why aren't we giving it? If, like, if, if I attention. asked
0: my dad, like, you know, Benio Dariushis, he wouldn't know who he is. Or he'd be like, maybe. Like, that, you can't. And today, it's as much as I don't fuck with it, but it is reality. Today's title fights and today's top notch guys aren't just good. They're, they have a following. They're entertainers. Yeah. And you want to you know how to do both. And it sucks, but that's how the sport is now.
1: I think, I think someone that understands this and tries to benefit it off the most. And I really don't want to shit on him because, I mean, the dude's a great guy. But uh, Jorge Masvidal literally only had one small little like win streak and then just gets fucked on by everyone else. But because he talks so much shit consistently and keeps his name relevant, people are always going to acknowledge him as a guy in his ranking. And they're always going to keep giving him fights because he continues to keep the hype around him still going despite me. I fully believe the wheels on his train have fallen off. Like, look, you had your... You had your I run. I don't think they were ever streak. really on.
0: I think he just caught Askren.
1: He caught Askren. He beat Darren Till when Darren Till's hype was at an all-time high. Like he just hit a couple good runs and amazing finishes that people like had to respect him. And now he's just gonna be like, oh well, I'm like so and so. And he had a great backstory. Like with his whole coming up with Kimbo Slice, street beast type of deal. Yeah. Like he he's done that really well. But um yeah, I agree with everything you said about Darius. It's just a very uh weird weird scenario. Gamrot though, Gamrot's an even I don't I know. Think if I really grandma,
0: don't, you're in a you're in a pretty solid scenario.
1: Yeah, you're just you're early in your career man. You're just going to have to build through experience. There's really not a bad You didn't
0: look bad. Him. You didn't look bad at all. You just looked like you fought a veteran and that's what you did.
1: Yeah, and like honestly, if you want to give him RDA, do it. Um I don't I don't know. There's I don't any, think like, it benefits
0: him enough to fight RDA personally.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I I'm at that point where do you want to give him a striker where you know what he's gonna do? You're just he's just gonna take him down, or do you give him another wrestler and see if he can out wrestle
0: RDA's got some solid wrestling? Jiu-jitsu.
1: Yeah, but like RDA I, I don't RDA's consider washed, a contender. So yeah, yeah, he's not a contender. Yeah, so he's not a, he's not really a contender. I'm saying.
0: He's not worth Gameron's time. Gamron's yeah, gonna so, climb the ladder, not just stay where he's at.
1: Yeah. Honestly, worst case scenario, if you fight if Gaethje wins or loses and you fight Gechi, I think that's a scary matchup for nah,
0: you. They wouldn't give him a winner. they would give him a loser. So he'd fight Fizev. He lost. They're not yeah. gonna match a winner with a loser.
1: Yeah, true. Um but yeah, Zach, let's
0: let's move into what the, the basically the big trio if we could call it. Wanna start us off with uh Sugar Sean beating Keter Yan in a split decision in our feature fight of UFC two eighty
1: yeah um this was interesting because i was actually watched this fight literally came on right after your fight and i ended up on my phone and me and my brother were sitting there and watching it and after the conclusion of the third round you know i sat up and i was like damn sean looked really fucking good but you're fighting the number one man in the division man like he just couldn't get it done and then i get an alert on my phone that says sugar sean wins by split decision and i'm like dude I, i'm like someone's getting fired from the ufc like they just fucked up the tweet announcement like and then I see Sean get his hand raised, and I'm like, like, that's kind of suspect. I'm like, I, I don't really know. Now, after going back and re-watching it, look, I completely understand why some would say Sean didn't win, or why some would say Sean won this. But look, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I don't think it's a robbery. Every fight that's razor thin that you just – didn't think went your way isn't a robbery. That's not what a robbery is. Sean was able to really kind of subdue, not subdue, but like kind of minimalize what Jan was able to really do with his takedown and ground control. Now look, this is my problem with a lot of people and the people that view MMA. If you just watch fights based off the stat sheets, you're going to have a very misconstrued view of how fights actually went down. Because if you actually watched how much Jan did with his ground control, he really wasn't able to do much just because Sugar realized the position he was in. He kept trying to fight for submission so Jan couldn't really ground and pound him or pummel him that much. And he was able to get back on his feet without really taking any damage. And then, honestly, outstruck one of the best boxers we've seen in his weight division. That's kind of how I saw it. I want to get your advice on this before we go any further. Because, personally, the more I move away from it, despite me not thinking Sean won this outright, I can understand why someone would say, just on... The given night, just kind of watching and be like, yeah, Sean won.
0: So I also agree it's not a robbery. A robbery is when it's like, bro, what the fuck? That was not a robbery. That It was so, so freaking close. And everyone, like even when I was warming up for my fight, I was talking to uh, my head coach, Vince McGinnis, and I was like, yo, what do you think about Sugar? He's like, he's got to sleep him. He's like, he can do it, but he's got to sleep him. Like I was like, the consensus was Sugar would only win if he finished him. And I watched the fight. I gave it to Jan. I'm not saying it's an absurd, crazy it went, it Like I gave it to Jan. I agree the takedowns didn't do like anything out of the ordinary, but they definitely had enough to give it to him, in my opinion. Now, the other thing I want to take away from this, the one thing that I do think goes in favor for Sean is pace. They didn't fight that fight at Jan's pace. They fought that fight at Sugar's pace which is like goes back to what I said about the dance. Sugar led the dance, 100%. They fought at his pace and at his range the whole fight. And I'm not saying it hurt Jan doing that, but they didn't fight at Jan's pace, okay? I do, though, think the takedowns, I do think, one, the takedown at the end of the first round for Sugar was a takedown, 100%. 100%. Every fucking category of wrestling that's a takedown. The second thing is, I do think the takedowns disrupted O'Malley from getting into, like, A true rhythm and like really unloading and opening up on Yan, And I do think that should be counted for for the win. The other way I look at it, Zach, if I was the fighter in that fight and I fought that fight as Sean and I fought that fight as Jan, I would think I won as Jan and I would think Yan won if I was Sean both ways. If I was in that fight going into it. If I was Sean and that happened to me, I would think Peter have won. And if I was Peter and that's how I fought, I think I would have won 100%. A million percent. Yeah, but I still don't think Sean's ready for. We can get onto that. But that's what I think about the fight. I gave it to. I gave Yon round one. I gave Yon round one and two. And gave Sean round three.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. Before we go into their future, I wanted to say something. Um. Just from Sean's point of view, I honestly I didn't even going into it. I didn't think. Jan needed to go to the ground as much as he did. I thought Jan was just going to outclass him striking-wise. You know, I thought he was one of the best boxers um, coming into it. I thought, you know, in fights prior, we've kind of seen how fighters have exposed um, O'Malley with leg kicks. You know, his I wouldn't say his legs are as sturdy as most of the guys in the division, and Jan really likes to abuse guys' front legs. I think what Sean did amazingly that I just didn't really – see coming is he was able to switch stances so fluidly and land multitude of combinations whether it be um from kicks overhands like his boxing combinations just looked amazing uh, like i had never seen it you know he was able to cut yawn in that what was it the second or the third round with a knee just yeah. absolutely clean as hell um he looked amazing in that standpoint um but like you said dictating the dance i mean it looked like it looked like we weren't watching yawn kind of do his thing Like he normally would, you know, usually when you think of a Peter, no mercy, Yon fight, he's brutal on guys. Like he always makes sure um, you're on your back foot trying to run away from him. But I think Sean's reach really helped him dictate this fight. Cause anytime, anytime Yon wanted to kind of put pressure in his face, immediate knee kick, try to just stiff jab him, you know, constantly switching stances, hit him with overhands. Like I loved what I saw from that standpoint. Um, Yon looked great. Like, I, I – like you said, I could have given this fight to Jan as well. I just think he's in a weird scenario where, dude, you're 0-3 oh in your last three fights. Not uh, – not looking good, man. It uh, it pains me. So, what what do you see for each of these guys' futures? So, What's coming Jan's
0: talking about leaving the UFC, and it's like – it's not that hard to blame him personally. I mean, I mean, dude, you get robbed against that Aljo knee in my opinion. And then – after that, you, you they just you lose a bullshit decision to Aljo, and then you lose this decision to Sean. I understand where you're pissed. So if you do leave, I think one FC is your best option and milk that fucking DJ Demetrius Johnson versus Peter yon fight, which would blow the fuck up. If you do stay, I think you take Cheeto Marab or TJ. Those are the only fights that make sense. You already beat Corey, and you can't fight Sugar again. I think that's that's really it. Where it gets interesting is sugar. It's sugar, so I think you stay quiet. You just keep low key. See what happens. See what unfolds. Best case scenario: rematch with Cheeto for title eliminator, or you fight for the title. That's best case scenario, okay? That Cheeto fight will sell the fuck out, and if you beat him, you get that L off your record, okay? Or you fight for the title. Worst case scenario, all right, is you fight Marab or TJ, who's going who has better wrestling than Peter, and they're going to take you down and fuck you. Okay? I think a middle case scenario is fighting Corey. But the thing is, is Corey is one and two in his last three. if We're talking about records, you know? I think if you're Sean, you really push, you talk a lot of shit about Aljo, or you just kind of stay quiet. But I think you do that Cheeto fight. I think that Cheeto fight is the one that the fans want. And I think it's the one that gives you, you make it a five-rounder if it's a main event or it's a co-main event. And, and you... That's the fight that kind of proves everyone. Yes, you beat Peter, but it's still kind of iffy. If you beat beat Cheeto and you prove like, yeah, my leg just fucking give out, there's no one that can argue that you don't deserve a title shot, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, Like you said, I'm going to touch on O'Malley here first. Uh, I think Cheeto is the best case scenario for you. There's just a lot of scary wrestlers in your division. And, you know, you you showed decent. I'm not going to say you showed good. You showed decent – uh, take down defense. You were able to sprawl decently well. You were able to get out of things, um, certain positions, which I like. You know, you were very aggressive with your submission attempts to try to prevent any ground and pound. The only problem is, you want to compare Jan's wrestling to Marab's or TJ's or even the champ Aljo. You're in a completely different scenario because I promise you, with Aljo takes your back, that fight ends. It's over, yeah, and he's gonna do it. over, so, yeah, like, and he, he's going to. Do it. TJ, um, you know, I know we have this whole thing. We'll get to him later about his whole shoulder thing. But if TJ's full health, his wrestling is terrifying. Yeah. You know, he will literally mm-hmm. nonstop throw punches till the fight ends. Um, and Marab is Marab, man. I mean, you know how we feel about these Russians, dude. They're they're cool. scared. On brothers. top
0: of that, as we talked about last night, Zach, if if he fights Marab, it's a lose lose scenario. Say you say you first lose, you lose. Okay, he's gonna take you down and fuck you, and. If you took down Jose Aldo, who's one of the best takedown defenses in the Bantamweight division and featherweight division, I think he's going to take you down and destroy you. And say you beat Marab, which would be a close fight in my opinion, Marab's just going to go tell Aljo everything, their teammates. He's just going to be like, yo, this is what I felt. This is what he does. This is what you need to look out for. You know, I feel like it's yeah. just a lose-lose scenario for Sean. And on top of that, he doesn't sell. Marab doesn't have a fucking fan base. He's not your you're sugar. You, you fight big fights. Peter's got a huge fan base. But no one knows who the fuck Marab is.
1: Yeah. As for Jan, though, look, go to one FC. Fight, fight Demetrius Johnson. You will you will literally get so much goddamn money yeah. from fighting DJ. Like, like more than you have ever seen in the UFC. You will literally be like, holy shit, what, what was I doing? And like, that's yeah.
0: going to sell more pay-per-views than any UFC would because it's in Asia and
1: it's so much fucking bigger. Yeah, and not only that, you end up beating Demetrius Johnson. You can run that division for as long as you want. Well,
0: dude, d- you end up beating DJ, then you get the DJ rematch, and then you can fight Adrian Marías, and then you DJ and Adrian Marías can just keep fighting each other, and making millions.
1: Yeah, and guess what? If you would have thrown your grounded knee against Aljo, if your fight with if your fight with Aljo would have been in one FC, you'd still be the champ. You win, yeah, you'd win. Yeah, you'd win. So, um, you know, all your fears of jujitsu guys can just go out the window because you can just freely knee anyone you want in the face from any position. Um you can bludgeon people to death. They're not they're gonna cheer you on while you do it. They're not gonna I like would
0: me. I would follow Piotr in one FC. I would watch his fights and shit. Oh hundred percent. I'd follow it. Now it's on Amazon. I, so
1: yeah, and that's another thing um that a lot of fans don't really realize. You know, people just think like, oh, you know, the UFC is like the top dog. It's like the NFL of all these fight organizations. Look, I'll agree with you to an extent, but there is a plethora of quality talent in these other organizations that are fighting their hearts out. Yeah. Any, any given night you tune into, I guarantee you, you can watch a banger. That, but they
0: almost got me. rid of the UFC flyweight division because there was no one else to give to Demetrius Johnson. They
1: almost just yeah. cut the division. Yeah. And now DJ lost to Marias over there in one FC. So, Hey, you want to watch some great flyweight fights? Go watch one FC. There's our endorsement, but <laughs> Sponsor us. <laughs> Moving on. Yes. Sponsor. <laughs> Moving on from that. Oh my god. This we had our co-main event of the evening. This is a band matchup. This is kinda I don't even really touch on this too much.
0: I don't, um, I don't really have much to say on this either, to be honest.
1: Look. Champ, I'll Ald, sterling. Took on TJ Dillashaw. Look, all I'm gonna say is what are we doing in fighters medicals? Well, first, let me let me touch on the fight first. You really didn't miss much. Aljo did what he does to every fighter. He just absolutely bum fucks them and rushes them to the ground, and then it's just a ground and pound fest. Um, look, TJ shoulder popped out of socket in the first round. Um, apparently, had talked to the ref before the fight to tell him, "Hey, my shoulder is going to pop out. Do not stop it. I don't care." Um, and you even yeah, tried it putting was, it
0: back into place in the middle of the round.
1: Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, And then you just got another asshole. Look, from TJ's perspective, I completely understand. You're 36 years old. This is probably the last title shot you're ever going to get. You're going to make a fat Fat, payday. You're going to make a fat payday. But, dude, if your shoulder is that messed up, you don't stand a chance. You don't stand a chance. And he even said, he said, look, I knew if Aljo was going to try to take me to the ground, I couldn't stop him. You're fighting one of the best jujitsu guys in the world. What do you think? He's just going to be like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. You said me thing,
0: going to punch.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you called out my striking. So I'm going to stand and fight you. Fuck no. Yeah, no. No, it doesn't work like that. It never has. But I mean, I get it. You wanted one last shot at the belt. But honestly, you kind of just, you kind of just really just tainted your legacy a little bit because now all the EPO claims just made you look that much worse. Come on, dude. When
0: I first heard about it, my initial like on the spot thoughts were TJ's a savage. Like TJ's a badass. Now that I look at it, it's like the UFC just let a man who's incapable of protecting himself fight in the UFC. Yep. And it's just like, dude, that's that's so bad. You know, and you were having such a good rep before and it's just like the football's not making your case any better with all the two shit and all the concussions, and it's like you just let a guy on the biggest pay-per-view of the year fight knowing he could not defend himself. Yeah. And he told the ref before the
1: fight, I won't be able to defend myself. And they yep. let him fight. It looks so bad. Not only that, what I wanted to touch on earlier, what are we doing in these fighters' medicals? Because what, they just go and sit down with their doctor and they're like, you good to fight? And then the fighter looks him in the eye. He could literally have like his arm like on the ground. And he could be like, yep. One it. of my All medicals,
0: right. they were like, instead of, in wrestling, every single tournament you've ever wrestled in your entire life of living, you no know, matter if it's the fucking Olympics or it's a, a, the Brandon Regional Tournament in the corner, you will get a skin check. It will make you pull your straps down, you put your arms to your side, and they will check you front and back and your legs. My amateur fights, the doctors just look at me and go, you got any rashes? I'm like, Nah, I'm like, no, my skin's good. I'll be in mean, a hoodie and sweatpants. <laughs> like There's just no, I- they just don't give a fuck. Honestly, Kevin Lee's admitted of fighting with a staph infection.
1: Jesus fucking Christ, bro. Honestly, what I want to see, like if you honestly want to take a step in the right direction, because it's one thing to sit here and bitch and bitch, moan and complain. But if we're not offering like what we want to see to improve it, then it means nothing. Look, doctors need to show up to the last, your last like mitt work session or like your last practice before you start like your weight cut. And see how you're actually performing. If they see that, like you can't even like raise up to throw a kick because your hips fucked up. If they see you can't like stuff takedowns because your arms fucked up, then they'll be like, "Hey, you know what?" Well, I feel what's like they don't even here? need to
0: see you practice to know that. They just need to give you a, a real physical. Touch your toes. Raise your right leg. That's true. Throw punch like.
1: Yeah, like prevent me from moving your arm down. Yeah, TJ like, would have been like, basic, oh, "My like, shoulders out of socket."
0: 10 to 15 minute just body examination.
1: Yeah. And then to, from that point, say you're good to go. Now, I will say, I will say, you could possibly fuck up a ton of fight cards by guys like hindering injuries. However, however, if their injury's that bad to where they can't complete a physical anyway, they probably shouldn't be fighting right, like a you man. Could up, you could be banged
0: right up. Card. You could be banged up, do that physical and be like, Doc, just give me an MRI. There's nothing torn in my knee. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm just banged up from camp. You could let him fight. But when he when you go raise your arm and he does and it falls out, you shouldn't be fighting.
1: Yeah. You would just look at him and be like, Are you serious? Like, like you... you shouldn't be fighting at that point. Yeah. And that that I mean, what else is the point of having backup fighters? Like for most most main event co mains, we always have backup. Well, especially like, a title fight. Especially a title fight. Yeah. There's always backup. Who and who was who was the backup for the Bantamweight? weight? Did they even announce, announce it? Yeah, well, we, you know who did have a backup Charles Glaviera and Islam Makhachev. who happened to be Alexander Volkanovsky, who is the
0: what champ is he again? Other ways and the number yeah. one pound for pound contender in the UFC.
1: Yeah, speaking of pound for pound, um, uh, we can touch on this later, but Islam went from unranked to the third-ranked pound-for-pound fighter. Yeah, I'm a little retarded. Yeah, but I mean, Sean O'Malley did jump 10 slots in the rankings. So, we can also talk about that. But, anyway, let's get into our main event. This is a lightweight bout between the number one contender and Islam Makachev. Or he was four at the time, right? Yeah. Um, Number four contender, Islam Makachev, taking on number one, cha- the champion, Charles Oliveira. No, um, he was not the champion. He missed weight. Oh, that's right. That's right. He did miss weight. He was the people's champion. He was the people's champ. Was. Um, Because, unfortunately, he did get submitted in round two. Um, Look, I was really disappointed in this fight. I'm going to admit my bias played a huge part in deciding who I wanted to win this. I just thought Charles had the way better story. I thought he was more proven in the division. Um, And if you want to look at Islam side of things... I mean, he really hadn't fought anyone, so I had a hard time respecting him. Look, I'm not denying his talents at all. He's come from Khabib's camp. He obviously has the tools and what it it's takes. Khabib's
0: just, like, dad's favorite student.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things where I was like, look, you're they're so eager to fit him into Khabib's image that I just feel like this is just going to be one of those times where he's just going to fall short because we're so eager to throw him in that spotlight. Boy, was I wrong because he won in every phase of this fucking fight. There wasn't a single second where I was like, "Oh, I was like, oh, like Charles is gonna do this." Like, he just got ragdolled, bitched, and he got dude. He got tapped out by, in my opinion, I mean, I can't even say it, but like an arm triangle, dude. Like, a, as a, as a, it was kind of best,
0: It was kind of instant, though. It was yeah, like as happened, one like, of the I best BJ.
1: Yeah, you're one of the best BJJ practitioners in the world and you didn't even fight against an arm triangle, bro. Like you even, I wonder like, if he was I, rocked and just like already out of it. Oh, dude. Oh. And but even then, even then, you take a you take a guy that's been practicing BJJ for like 5 to 10 years, you you could put him in an arm triangle from sleep. Like while he's sleeping in his bed and he would wake up and immediately like already be out of it. Yeah. (laughs) He would would immediately be out of it. Like I was just kind of like upset by like how little he fought against it. And I was just kind of like, oh well, okay. Like fuck off. Do you
0: think that that him making weight eight hours before weigh-ins could have affected him too?
1: Yes, but I feel like If I had to hold
0: the weight I made for my fight Saturday, eight hours before, it would have ruined I wouldn't have been
1: able to fight. I'd have been so dead. Probably. But I mean, you, I, you can't use that as an excuse because, hey, you were supposed to make weight anyway. No, and, I agree.
0: I agree. I'm not using that yeah. I'm just saying I wonder if it did play a factor.
1: Yeah. Even so, um, one of the things I'll point out in this fight, look, I was watching um some videos about it. And if you think about it, Charles has been knocked down in his last six fights. And it just so happened that when he'd get knocked down, no one was willing to enter his guard because they were way more afraid of his submission than his striking at all. Now, given he has knocked a lot of guys out, he has put a lot of guys away, but really the main part of his game is his BJJ skills. And I feel like Islam didn't give, a, give didn't give a shit. Um, you know, we kind of discuss how Sambo has slowly started to become one of the most dominant backgrounds in this because really for B like at least for BJJ to counteract wrestling, a lot of the wrestling go, you still are in the same guard mm. in a lot of the sense, you know, you're it's attacking like more. With chest. Guard. Yeah. You're just attacking more from the hips up. Sambo, they attack the legs. You really can't do shit with your legs because at BJJ, you're only taught to get in guard by wrapping your legs around their body. They attack your legs, secure your legs, and then you're can't move at all. And they're just posted up on you. Like, you're kind of fucked. Like there's really not much you can do. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just kind of like dumbfounded. I, I do don't you, really know what. Do you,
0: tra- what would you say is next for both of them?
1: For Charles, you got to demand a rematch. I mean, you. Yeah, you and I
0: think I think the USC be kind of fucked up to not give him the rematch. Like he's finished everyone in the division. He was on an eleven fight win streak. Ten of them finishes. The only one that wasn't was Tony Ferguson. Who? It's Tony. Um, Zombie. I think that you do because he's wiped out the division, and that would sell. And I think Oliveira could still win. I I understand the dominating factor that Islam brought, but it doesn't mean Oliveira is out of the fight. And if you're Islam, bro, pff, you're in the Connor seat. You do whatever the fuck you want. Call whoever you yeah. want, do whatever you want, fight whenever you want. You, you just, you just, you killed the boogeyman.
1: Yeah. Honestly, um, the only thing I didn't like about Islam's case is normally when you just win the belt, you should, you should be looking forward to defending your reign within your division and trying to win outright. And instead, I'm going to brought up what you said earlier. He called out a guy in a smaller division. Now, given this man was the number one pound for pound fighter, but the dude's never fought at your weight before. Never, like, yeah, yeah. Like, dude, if anything, call out Dariush. call out Charles again. Say you want to run it back. You know, if we want to go through the rankings, I mean, shit, dude. Wait for Gechi Poirier. Wait, wait for Chandler, uh, and Fizz phys- or um no, Gechi Poirier, Chandler. Yeah, 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 yeah. So wait to see who wins those. See what you got there, dude. There's plenty of time for you to just figure it out, honestly. I still don't think anyone really beats in the division. Maybe Gamrock can learn a lot. Hope um, you know. Maybe Darius just kind of like explodes, but like you it's said, to be weaknesses. it's
0: gonna be somebody you don't see coming. It's gonna be random as fuck. It's what always happens.
1: Drew Dober. Drew
0: Dober. No, he's already killed Drew Dober. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh God. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's all, that that's too.
0: that's all I really got on this on this card.
1: Yeah, I mean. Next time you'll probably hear from us, we'll probably be doing uh, at least next time you hear from us in terms of UFC. The Clocks on the Stove squad will be taking our talents to UFC Orlando. So we'll be there watching Wonderboy take on Kevin Holland. So we're excited to watch that. We'll try to get some media content out there for the expo. We'll definitely do Um, a preview
0: for that as well.
1: Yeah, um, I'm definitely going to see how many Stephen Wonderboy, Steven Wonderboy uh, knees it would take to make me mentally um, unconscious and possibly have to eat out of a straw for the rest of my life. Um, and maybe, just maybe, I'll get to do a shui with Tai Tuibasa. Um That's the goal. If we do, we do. If we don't, we don't. But that's all from us at Clocks UFC 280.